One of the things that's so interesting to me is that there have been times in our development where the next thing that we need to build is completely obvious. We've probably been in that world for about a year now. Before that, there have also been periods of time where it's like, we've been sitting around as a leadership team being like, I don't exactly know what to do next. Like all of these things seem really important. And I think as a product leader, it's really important to acknowledge that there are moments of clarity and there are moments of like, heck if I know. My name's Gina Bianchini and I am the founder and CEO of Mighty Networks. This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Lapart, and today how Gina Bianchini built the platform to enable you to build your best community on the best community platform. All this and more on Code Story. Gina Bianchini grew up in Cupertino in the 70s and 80s, which was a place where people were tinkerers and creators. What she learned from that experience was a deep appreciation for the interests and passions of people. When the early days of social tech happened, she fell in love with how they worked, specifically around creating communities. Outside of tech, she played field hockey at Stanford and had a solid career. And fun fact, you can't cross-check in field hockey, which was news to me. Gina has created community tools before and has discovered that people who are creating and participating in these online communities are phenomenal. So much so that she set out to do it again in order to unlock the power of community in people's lives. This is the creation story of Mighty Networks. We exist to enable online communities, actually communities online and in the real world, online courses and memberships. And really these are these are communities courses and memberships that are built around mastering something interesting or important together built around interests and passions and ultimately are about ultimately creating something bigger than yourself that is really the role of community i mean it, when i think about um why I love the work that I do. And, and it goes back, Mighty Networks is my second online community platform. I'm probably one of the few people, if maybe the only person that has built two community platforms to scale over the last 15 years. So first with a company and a, a platform called Ning, uh, which gave people a way to create their own social networks. And we built two, I think, 300,000 Ning networks active on a monthly basis on a base of 3 million and reaching nearly 100 million people around the world. What I discovered from that experience was just the people who are creating and participating in the online communities are phenomenal. People are interesting, they're passionate, they are doing something that is different than just going along with you know, the, the, the rules of the content creator belt that has really, you know, become social media. Fast forward to, to Mighty Networks, we really exist to unlock the power of community in people's lives. And, and while that sounds so, you know, fluffy, what does that mean? Well, it, it turns out 
that communities are the single most effective way for any of us to change our habits and build new practices, to navigate a rapidly changing, bordering on chaotic world uh, when you know you throw out all the rule books and it's just about how are we connecting with other people as we navigate our way in the unknown and ultimately achieve results and transformation that we cannot get as individuals. And how do we get results and transformation through community? Well, from each of us sharing our stories, our experiences, what are the opportunities that we're seizing? What are the challenges that we're running into? You know, my favorite example is, is if you want to build a, a practice around running, and you wake up in the morning and it's cold and you don't want to really want to go out and you definitely do not want to run because you're not comfortable with it yet. You haven't done it such that it has become a part of your identity and you open your phone and with one eye you look at the notifications that you've gotten and a bunch of other people have sat up, had the same exact experience of not wanting to get out of bed and did it anyways. What's the likelihood that you're going to get up and run? It's pretty high. And so that's the power of a community to really let each and every one of us forge a life that we may not actually ever do on our own when we can basically have every excuse in the, in the book where we have finite self-discipline. With a community, you don't actually have to tap those resources as, as heavily as you do if you're trying to do something on your own. Mighty Networks exist to make this easier for hosts, as we call our customers, to build communities and for members that are joining those communities to have an instantly magical experience and to have more and more reasons to come back, ultimately realize their full potential because they are leaning heavily on communities to navigate a rapidly changing world. So, Gita, tell me about the MVP. So that that first version of the product that you and your team built, how long did it take you to build? And what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? One of the things that I think is so interesting when talking about community platforms is that I think for a lot of people, a lot of engineers, but also just like normal everyday people, they think that communities are, and community software is actually pretty easy to build. Oh, isn't it just like a comment section or isn't it just about building like a chat app? The interesting thing about community platforms is that they are deceivingly complex, especially when you are creating communities around interests and passions and courses and memberships. When you think about so many of the social applications that we use, they're really built for people that already know each other. When you think about Facebook and a Facebook group, they're built for people who already know each other. A Facebook group is being used by people who don't already know each other, but it was built for people who already knew each other because it was built for college friends. And the product has not changed significantly or in any major way since Facebook was behind a wall for college students only. Slack is another example where it's a, a platform that's really built for people who already know each other in a small team working at a startup. The way Slack is built, it's built not for you know thousands of people to come together in an online community. It's built for about 25 people to work together. So when we started Mighty Networks, 
we needed to to look at well what is the mvp that allows us to start building additional things on top of a core use case or a core functionality. Um, how do we do it in a way that balances what people expect when they show up? So we can't make something that's like so fundamentally different than what they would expect from a chat app or from Facebook or from Slack or Discord. And then the things that we want to have really sort of stand out. So for example, for us, our MVP was focused on a activity feed because that was certainly something that you would be used to from coming from Facebook members and having human beings because core to what we're doing is creating communities that get more valuable to every member with each new person who joins and contributes so having member profiles and the ability to message people were really the three key things that that we did in our MVP. So how have you progressed the product from that version and how have you matured it? And I think to, to put that in a box a little bit, I'm interested in how you built your roadmap and how you decided, okay, now this is the next most important thing to build. One of the things that's so interesting to me is that there have been times in our development where the next thing that we need to build is completely obvious. We've probably been in that world for about a year now. And before that, there have also been periods of time where it's like, we've been sitting around as a leadership team being like, I don't exactly know what to do next. Like all of these things seem really important. And I think as a product leader, it's really important to, to acknowledge that there are moments of clarity and there are moments of like, heck if I know. One of the things that has been so valuable, and again, it's the power of a community, is pretty quickly after we launched, we had our own community. When we launched and we had our own community, one of the things that we heard almost immediately was, hey, dudes, you guys should really build online courses directly into Mighty Networks, the community. All online courses need community. Right now, it's kind of horked that like, I gotta have my courses on one platform and then I gotta go figure out, should I use a Facebook group or Discord server or Slack team for my course community? This took us by surprise. We weren't online course people. We were community people. Originally, we were like, oh, well, let's integrate with, you know, all the community platforms. Let's make it really easy that you can have links back and forth and we'll just do it that way. And so we did that. <laughs> the same, same people and, and more sort of people who were showing up, they were like, yeah, that's great. Um, but no. You know, and it was just so it was it was fun because we were essentially co-creating we still are co-creating with our customers. We still had those links and everything. And, and today people are using, you know, other course platforms and having their community, their course communities on a mighty network. But when we pulled in online courses and, and launched that as a feature that you can turn on within a mighty network, a couple of really cool things happened we started to see some really interesting use cases in terms of how people were bringing their course together with their community. We also saw pretty immediately that we could launch a new kind of course. 
today on a mighty network, we offer the ability to have a content only course so that you just use the main mighty network community. And then you have content only courses that can live within, within that community. We also have the ability to launch a course, a cohort based course where you can have the course material front and center, but to have the course community, a dedicated course community that you can only get into if you are a member of that course right there in the course. So you can now still have the main mighty network, but now you can have a cohorted based course where you have all the amazing community features. And then we actually figured out that there was a different kind of course to build. We call it a community course. And in a community course, instead of landing on the course materials, you land on the course community that's dedicated, it's private, it's, you know, it's paid, it's just for the members of that course. And so what it allows you to do is build an online course live in real time and lead with the community, which is much more forgiving. And in doing so, we have seen this new category of course just blossom. And so this is, I think, a great just example, a very detailed example, to be fair, of co-creating with our hosts. And funny enough, we as we got these three kinds of courses out the door, we have seen our platform adoption blossom. As soon as we were done and we were like, hey, yeah, everybody's going to be so stoked. We can go on vacation. This is wonderful. You know, our, our hosts came back and they're like, that's all great, Gina and team. Uh, but yeah, we're going to want to charge for these things and we're going to want to charge for them on a one-off basis. We want to charge for them on a subscription basis and we want to be able to bundle different courses or memberships together in one place. So took a little bit of vacation and then came back and built those things as well. So we have found that we've been able to evolve our platform based on these ongoing daily conversations. You know, our mighty community at this point is 55,000 people strong. And that co-creation process means you actually have to have a strong point of view from the product side. We do not take and quickly build anything anybody says to us. You know, we probably get because our, our platform does a number of different things now with communities, with courses, with memberships, paid and free. We need to have a strong point of view around what we are doing and how we are doing it. But that ongoing process of things coming to us as well. This just actually happened to me yesterday where a friend of mine called me up and who's not on Mighty Networks and was like, have you guys ever thought about doing this really cool thing? And I was like, oh my God, no, but that is a really great idea that I think we're going to go ahead and build. And so I think that this kind of co-creation is what makes this job so much fun. Well, let's switch to team. So how did you go about building your team? And what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you? You know, that is a great question, in part because I've worked now with the team that leads Mighty Networks for a while. And so I kind of don't really even remember. (laughs) Um, But let me me see if I can, can sort of reflect on that. On some level, as a non-technical founder, finding a technical founding partner is one of the, the trickiest things that you can possibly do. And yet 
I have been incredibly blessed with technical co-founders in, in my career. So the funniest thing I would say is that while I should have a very specific criteria, and I think some friends of mine have phenomenal criteria, ultimately for me, it comes down to a realization over the course of my career building software that so much of it is chemistry. So much of it is, do we see the world similarly, not not exactly the same, but similarly. And I'm incredibly fortunate with my co-founders on the technical side, my co-founder, Tim Herbie, and on the product side, my co-founder, Tom Aaron, that we have, and, and it happened almost immediately, where the, the chemistry and the dynamics that we have are pretty spectacular for building really good software. We have respect for each other, but we also are willing to debate and don't see eye to eye on every decision. But when you have that kind of fundamental respect and that there's, there is a clarity that, that you cannot do that other person's job and they can't do your job, that's where I really think the magic happens. And I think this is actually something that, that I do see is finding partners that do things and look at the world in a way that you respect, but that is different than how you do it so that you're not fighting over the same things while, you know, leaving other areas of building a successful platform and company to, you know, to, to wither away and never get the attention that they deserve, I think is actually really important. So let's flip to scalability then. So was this built to scale efficiently from day one? Or have you been fighting this as you've grown and gained traction? And that can be technically or that can be you know, business-wise. You take it where you want to take it. Any platform that tries to build for scale day one will fall into the trap of premature optimization. Actually, I, I think as a second time founder where the first time I had success. And so, you know, I was coming from a world where we were running, you know, a platform that was serving nearly a million, hundred million people around the world. It's really easy to prematurely optimize uh, and try to sort of build the, you know, build the skyscraper before you build the first couple of floors. I don't subscribe in 2022 to the you know, if, if you've launched your product and you're not a little bit embarrassed, then, you know, you're launching too late. But I do think coming back to kind of the, the earlier conversation, it's really important when you're thinking about what is that MVP, a little bit of familiarity, a little bit of sort of the core dynamic and a little bit of what makes you special or what makes you unique is, is sort of the, the, the only combination to be able to go out and really build something that's different. So as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? You know, when I think about that, the, the immediate answer that showed up in my head was the team. That to me, though, is interesting because while I couldn't imagine working with other people and, and not on this team because this is a pretty special team that we built at Mighty Networks, what I think about every day when I wake up, excited to now walk downstairs to go to work is the impact that we can have on our hosts, on their members, the things that we are building that have not been built before around how we help people find each other within the context of a community. How do we create people magic within the context of a community? 
I think the thing I'm most proud of is the team. And yet the thing that is most motivating to me is the impact that our platform can have as millions more adopt it. Well, let's flip the script a little bit. So tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. Well, here's the thing that I think is so interesting about that question uh, around mistakes. There's this sense in building startups and platforms and products that like there's this one defining mistake or the one defining failure that, you know, it makes for a great story, but is is not been my experience. What has been my experience is that building a you know, a category, a product, and a, and a company at the same time, there are mistakes literally every day. And there are wins every day. And that, if anything, I have found the, the most joy and excitement and creativity, it, you know, the, the list sort of goes on and on. When I look and think about, and it really, as I approach what we are doing with the goal of every day is about looking back and learning. Literally, like, yes, I have incredibly high standards. I'm like, oh, that article sucked or this thing we didn't do as well as we could have done. Or I just feel like, you know, some days I'm swimming and like, wait, we can do a better job here. But fundamentally, I think a appreciation for the fact that, that all we are able to do is follow the concept of an OODA loop or the observing, orienting, deciding, acting, and then observing again, that's what makes this fun. And I think the more time spent looking at failures as learning opportunities and less as failure, I think you just, you can move faster than the next person or the next company in ways that are really important. Well, what does the future look like for Mighty Networks, the product and for your team? I think our team is going to stay relatively the way it is, which is fun. You know, we we have focused and really have a clarity of what we are building and how we are building it and how we want to go build it. We are an organic system and run an organic system, which means, you know, on any given day we're on or off or, you know, have great chemistry or have friction um, that we're we're working through, uh, which is all natural and normal and what makes it fun. In terms of the platform, we have a set of projects that we are working on right now that are big and meaty around our navigation and around uh, our accounts and bringing flexibility and energy to both of those things, all with the, with the, an eye towards ultimately unlocking things like custom fields for members to be able to, you know, for hosts to be able to, to fully customize the kinds of things that a member is showing up and sharing really orchestrating then from there, again, what we call people magic of how do we help you connect to the most relevant members as quickly as possible? How do we utilize software to play the role of amazing host 
know, we've all been to the party where it's just like, wait a second, this is awesome. And it just feels like a heightened experience of meeting really cool people that reflect back to you kind of the best version of yourself, where your, you know, your five senses are all engaged in terms of what you're learning and what you're seeing and who you're meeting. And we believe that software has a role to play in bringing those heightened experiences and meaningful community moments to more and more people around the world. Let's switch to you, Gina. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person you look up to and why. I would not say that there's necessarily one person who I look up to and and listen to. If anything, what I have learned is learning from every person that I can, just something, learning something from every person uh, in which I interact with. So I'm constantly reading. You know, I just asked a friend of mine yesterday, I was like, so, you know, what's like the one thing that you have changed in your life in the last six months and what was that experience and she went into this entirely fascinating story around her relationship to meditation and moving from transcendental meditation to a new form am i a meditator not really so much but it allowed me the opportunity to to picture well, what could that look like in my life? And and what could that mean? One of the most important practices for me is, you know, sort of the concept of, of morning pages, where it's like, I, I don't know how other people do morning pages, but like, I wake up pretty early, get some coffee, sit down with blank printer paper and a Bic pen, and just let whatever are the things on my mind that I've been sort of thinking about overnight, just let it go and and brainstorm on blank paper, no lines. I don't even know where I learned that. Uh, I, I think it, there was there was sort of one piece that was in a book and then another piece that was in a podcast and another piece that I just have figured out kind of on my own. I've also been incredibly fortunate to have friends and relationships with people that have made a huge impact on technology and really having a front row seat to the way that they connect the dots between different kinds of things, whether it's pop culture and history and science and technology and being open to all of these disparate areas that then can kind of form new, entirely new outlooks on life. To me, that's one of the, the things I'm most grateful for in having grown up here in Silicon Valley, engineers building new and interesting things, uh, how it has evolved into technology platforms that have had a fundamental impact on culture and politics and the economy and, and you know, every other nook and cranny of our, of our lives and recognizing and appreciating the fact that, that Somebody had to come up with all of this stuff. This, you know, Facebook is not inevitable. LinkedIn is not inevitable. Uber is not inevitable. These are things that also give me great confidence that Mighty Networks and my you know, small team of very dedicated people can bring to the world a new way of interacting, a new way of valuing communities that connect people, connect people who don't know each other to each other, each and every one of us has never had more opportunity than what we are able to do today to create new culture and new ways for people to interact with each other. And that power can be used for good 
or it can be used for evil. And I'd like to think that there are ways to recruit more and more people to building something good, building something with impact, building with something that that has a purpose to move all of us forward. Well, we talked about a mistake earlier, but a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Or where would you consider taking a different approach with Mighty Networks? In my experience and why I am so passionate about a clear big purpose and having a a very clearly defined and narrow what we call your ideal member. These are the, the people that would join your community that need your community the most right now in all caps and not just your particular take on the world, but the other members that you are bringing together in that initial community. And the reason I'm so focused on this is because I think I was too general and too generic in, hey, we're going to build a community for anybody, you know, or a community platform where anybody can use it for any purpose. And that was something that was made us very successful at Ning. But in, you know, in 2022, the only way to get attention is by starting with your hundred true fans or your thousand true fans. So anything that I would do today would be starting with, how do I bring a, a thousand people together? And, and really, even before a thousand people, how do I bring a hundred people together? And even before I bring a hundred people together, how do I bring 30 people together and provide them a level of value that is, that is awe-inspiring? Well, last question, Gina. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world and can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? I I don't start with advice, that's for sure. I would start by listening. Again, if we go back to that OODA loop of observe, orient, decide, and act, I I would be looking for, look, if they're already really excited and they've already built the next big thing, you know, do I have anything to necessarily offer them or is there something for me to learn? Uh, because again, I want to learn from from any any area that I can and any relationship that I can. And so I would look at this more from the perspective of listening uh, and learning than you know any anything I have in terms of specific uh, advice to give. Well, I can certainly appreciate that. Well, Gina, thank you for being on the show today. And thank you for telling the creation story of Mighty Networks. Thank you for having me. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com slash code story for just five to ten bucks a month. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. 
Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.